Jason's alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming for me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Warrior, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs in hell. You're joining me, but you stay here. Never come back again. You see, Jason was away somewhere, and today is his birthday. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Nathan Barker, and joining me tonight is the Lando. How y'all doing? It's been a while. It's been a little bit. You know, life gets in the way sometimes, but uh, it is what it is. We're back in the saddle. So with that being said, for tonight's episode, as of the date of this recording, which is May 13th, 2018, now this particular date marks a very special occasion for Friday the 13th history, and that occasion is that today is the 30th anniversary for Friday the 13th, Part 7. So tonight, it's the perfect time to celebrate that occasion and discuss the new blood and how it has held up over the years since it basically stepped outside the box a little bit from what we were used to seeing in Parts 1 through 6. So to mark that occasion today, I actually started my day off watching Part 7 while I had my morning coffee. Uh, it'd been a little while since I seen it, so I thought, hey, you know, fuck it, perfect time to, to rewatch it. So now, one thing before we get started, I got to just kind of throw this out here that seven always gets me with the fact that it really highlights those uh, crazy late 80s hair and clothing styles. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now, with Friday almost getting a new film each year over the course of a decade, you are bound to see the styles change throughout the films. And I get that. But seven really stands out for me and that's probably because sue blue aka mrs shepherd is basically like the fucking poster candidate for late 80s hair <laughs> i mean yeah. she has that shit right on point i don't know if that was what some of your thoughts were when you first watched seven but that's how it is for me oh absolutely there's no question i mean in a way like you said this is kind of like it encapsulates everything that was the 80s you know i mean there there are huge elements of 80s glory throughout the entire franchise especially you know the first handful like you said, um, but yeah, part seven, I mean, the more you watch it, the more, and I think it is the further you get away from it, right? It's like, then it becomes more and more prevalent year after year when we get further away from the eighties. I mean, we have a lot of this nostalgia for the eighties now. It's kind of, well, I mean, it's always been there, but it's really been strong in the last few years. And so, but it's like the best of the eighties, right? These things were not necessarily the best of the eighties. I mean, the movie, you know, it's fine, but it's like, you talk about that fashion and those hairdos. Yeah. You look at it and you're like, my God, what were you thinking? But then again, you think about that stuff from the 90s, early 2000s. You're like, oh, man, that was awesome. And you look back, you're like, yeah, not so much. So, you know, I think uh, I think you definitely hit it on the head there with that one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, big style difference between 1980, 81, 82, 83. I mean, obviously, in that range to jump ahead a few years. I mean, in six, you see the typical 80s shit, but seven is just like the like basically what you said, that's kind of the 80s style that you can kind of just uh, forget about. And that's probably the style that people kind of wish that people would just forget about, because I would say that's kind of the most obnoxious part of the 80s was basically what you see in uh, in seven and part eight. So, yeah, I mean, it, that gets it for me when I watch seven, of course, in eight, too. But I, I think it's uh, Mrs. Shepard's hair that just really gets me as far <laughs> seven goes. I mean, she's just got that typical 80s cut. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, moving on uh, to the good stuff. Now, with 
part seven, we see a new take on the franchise compared to what we were used to seeing in the rest of the films, which is Jason basically showing up and hacking away for the most part outside of part one, of course. But in seven, we see Jason against Tina, uh, played by Lar Park Lincoln, who has telekinetic powers. And we see Jason really take a fucking pounding in this film. Uh you know, thank God Kane Hodder's a badass because he had to do some crazy shit. But mm-hmm. now Jason still does the traditional hacking of teens, but this introduces a whole new challenge for Jason. And beyond that, we, of course, see Kane Hodder stepping in to play his first of four portrayals of Jason Voorhees. Now, Lando, I don't know if you were aware of the anniversary immediately today or mm-hmm. not, but uh, but either way, just thinking about Seven and how Seven took a new approach to the franchise. And then, of course, 30 years later, now we can kind of avoid uh, mentioning the the fashion styles and all that shit since mm-hmm. we just kind of touched on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, just discounting that and just taking the movie as a whole from what we're seeing otherwise and all the love that you see for Seven and, of course, with Kane Hodder and and Kane's army, as you and I have talked about before. But with all that into account, as far as today goes being an anniversary, what are your initial thoughts on this 30th anniversary? Well, first of all, I get excited whenever there's an anniversary or a birthday. I mean, because I handle the Twitter for the podcast. And so anytime those kind of things come up, it just gives me fodder to be able to play with. So uh, I was very happy to see that uh, we had the anniversary today. And also, like you said, we're recording on the 13th. And I can't think of anything more fitting than the fact that it's the 13th of the month. It's not a Friday, but it's the 13th and it's Mother's Day. So, you know, Pamela Voorhees, Patsy Palmer, been able to hit out some of those things as well. But uh, no, looking back, like you said, I mean, this... It hasn't always been one of my favorites. It's, it was, it's kind of in this, this tweener, right? It's like, you know, when I, you and I have talked about it before, when you talk about two, three, the, our, our affinity for Jason lives, the final chapter, it's almost like after Jason lived, like when Kane took over, things changed a little bit, but this was part seven was probably the, the best overall film that Kane was in. And the more, the more years go by and the more I watch it, I mean, I realize just how good it really is, you know, for years, just kind of like, well, this is when things started to slip a little bit. Well, I don't really think that anymore. Like you said, the telekinetic aspect of things. I mean, this was certainly the most formidable opponent Jason was ever given. I mean, we could talk about Tommy Jarvis and we all love Tommy Jarvis and that's fine. But I mean, that's why even when I did my story on, uh, you know, Amy Steele is the best final girl in franchise history and whatnot. I even made mention to kind of exclude Tina Lar Park Lincoln, just because, she was given a, a skill set that gave her an advantage over anybody else. But it was it was interesting to see that somebody could actually go toe-to-toe with Jason. I mean, not necessarily physically, but somebody that actually put up a fight and that he could not really best in some way, in some form. They didn't come up with some miracle to save it. You know, she kind of saved herself. And um, But it's first movie that Hotter was ever in. Uh, and just like when he you know, he gets resurrected out of the lake and you can see his spine. I mean, I mean, it was just, it was just badass from the beginning. And I mean, the kills, I mean, talk about taking it to the next level, right? I mean, you talk about opening the door, putting a, you know, an ax in someone's head, throwing them across the room. You know, I mean, it was just, everything was amped up in this movie and it's just, it's impossible to not just, you know, be thrilled when you're watching it. And I think that it, it it's just, it's right there as far as I'm concerned. I mean, one through six are in a whole different category as far as I'm concerned, but seven of, of everything that's come since then, probably with the exception of the 09 version, uh, th- this is the best one. And it's, it's hard to believe that it's actually been 30 years now since it came out. But, uh, you know, with each passing year, I think there's the people that love it 
and have always loved it. And I think more and more people are, are coming around to it. If they didn't before, maybe they hadn't seen it. And now they're looking at it and saying, yeah, this really is a, a strong, you know, inclusion in the franchise. Yeah, definitely. And it's essentially supernatural versus supernatural. If you kind of want to look at it in that aspect with the telekinesis and all that good stuff, which normally I'm not really a huge fan in as far as stuff like that goes and those types of movies. But with my love for Friday, I, I let it ride and I take it for what it is. And it is a different take. And it did provide a little bit of fresh air, I guess, um, into the franchise being something new. But to me, Friday is one through six, definitely. And like we've talked about with part seven, and I do enjoy part seven. And like we've mentioned before, in our opinion, uh, and feel free to disagree because everyone's entitled their, to their own opinion, but definitely the best of Kane's films, no doubt. And let's, let's uh, just so we're not backtracking and, and just staying relevant on course here, let's just hit some of the highlights here. Now, you've already mentioned a couple things. But as far as uh, the kills and so on and so forth, the ratings board, as you know, just fucking rip this thing up one side and down the other. And unfortunately, we're not going to get to see a cut of that film because it doesn't really exist anymore. So some of the good shit was edited. Just it just ruined some of the kill shots, basically. I mean, especially like I know this guy's going to die and then they cut away and you don't really get to see anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, damn the board for that one. Otherwise, we would have seen way more blood. And, of course, Jason is an opportunist. And in this film, we see the biggest variety of kills. Uh, it's not just the traditional machete or the axe, or, which mm -hmm. I love those. But we see literally uh, gas-powered, uh, you know, tools here. We see <laughs> right? the sleeping bag kill, which everybody loves. Um, of course, we still do see the traditional machete, which I actually have held the screen use part seven machete, which is currently owned by James Asriel from the HSPPA. And nice. he does travel around to a lot of Midwest conventions. And uh, that's often a highlight piece in his exhibit. He does on some other Friday screen use stuff, but I do have a cool picture of James and I, um, and I'm holding the part seven screen use machete. So I've tried to, I've tried to get him to sell it to me, but it's apparently it's not going to be for sale anytime soon, but if it does, damn it i hope that uh, i get to put in an offer on it so james if you're listening i better get that first offer damn it so <laughs> yeah so i mean we do see traditional stuff we see people getting hacked in the woods and what we're seeing in some of the other films but i do gotta throw it out to john carl for uh for showing that wide variety uh the sleeping bag kill as often mentioned a lot of people they think that's their their favorite kill out of all and i won't disagree to each their own and and there's a lot of opinions out there i love the sleeping bag kill there's a lot of cool kills in part seven so i really like how they stepped outside the box and gave jason uh plenty to work with there mm -hmm. oh no i don't disagree at all i think it was like i said it was everything was just seemed like it was amped up uh what we're accustomed to seeing in a friday the 13th film i mean they really took what had happened in Jason lives and all the excitement of, of that, the people who, you know, love the franchise, follow the franchise really had a good time with that. And they just, this was really, I wouldn't say it's Jason lives on steroids because obviously, you know, it's a, it's a different type of, of picture, but it really is that. I mean, like you said, the kills were, you know, amped up. You're talking about the nemesis is amped up. I mean, everything about it. And I think something that I enjoy about, uh, this film is the fact that, you know, they got people who, who did a good job in the roles they were in. I mean, it's not just Kane Hodder. It's not just Laura Park Lincoln. You talk about 
you know, getting Terry Kaiser or Kieser, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that last name, actually, to play the doctor. And if they'd gotten somebody who was really hammy and over the top, I mean, I don't think that we would have hated that character as much as we do. I think we more or less would have thought it was, you know, just kind of laughable, you know, but he really played it. I mean, he's a you know, good enough actor. He played it in such a way that, you know, you really detested that guy. You know, you were just like, what a motherfucker. And, uh, you know, I think that added something, you know, to the film. You know, it, it, it was just more than just the kills. It was more than just what Tina was capable of doing. You know, they had their story. They stuck to it. And he had his part in driving it. You know, I mean, it would have just been kind of odd if she suddenly honed her skills that she really didn't feel she could control in any way, shape, or form. It was all this spontaneous. You know, and he drove that out of her. And then, you know, it's it set up, you know, the showdowns that we got. So, you know, I think his character, as much as he's hated, I mean, I think I give a lot of credit to his character for, you know, as as good as the, the film is, because without without his contribution, I mean, it wouldn't have really gone in the direction that it did, which is just I was just thinking about this earlier today. It's kind of like a Friday night popcorn humor or a popcorn horror. Right. It's just something you just sit down, get out the popcorn, and get ready to have a good time. And that's what this movie is. It's just a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Terry did a great job with Bad News Cruise. I think there could have been a number of others that would have filled that role, but he did just fine. And there were other notable um, actors in there, too, who have made other notable contributions in the horror genre. William Butler, uh, Billy Butler, he's been in some other good horror films. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was uh, there were some names, I guess, attached to it. And, of course, like you said, it, it kind of seemed like everything was amped up, and I will agree with that. Kane obviously brought a different type of energy to zombie Jason. So mm-hmm. whereas CJ Graham's portrayal was the more robotic and we've, we've had countless discussions about this and yeah. we'll continue to fucking have countless more discussions about it. But oh, yeah. while we're on the subject, I mean, we do see quite a bit of difference in the portrayal of how Jason is uh, between the, from what we first see in six as CJ's zombie portrayal and how he, what he brought to the picture. And then of course, Kane's new energy, which I, I kind of like how you describe that as being amped up because obviously the labored breathing, the uh, exaggerated motions, um, mm-hmm. Kane likes to bring that slow rise, but uh, that slow, slow draw, but a heavy finish, a fast finish. Mm-hmm which was something that was a new take too. So really I think amped up would be the best way to describe that because it was, it's like, well, we're used to seeing zombie Jason this way, but now once we see that badass exit out of the lake with the spine and everything, like you mentioned, it's like totally different. And the, uh, and I know that I've mentioned my thoughts on the labored breathing before, but once again, just a matter of opinion and, each time I watch it, I it, it's like I watch it a little bit differently. And there's mm-hmm. a little bitty things that you maybe you didn't notice, even though you might have seen this film 30 fucking times. There's always little kind of things that you don't pick up, as you know. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think they really nailed it for for what they were doing with Seven. I mean, there were there were things that I would change, it would, just like in any other film. But some of the coolest shit, like one of my favorite kills, for example, um, you know, back to some of the highlights is uh, the axe of the fore- like you already mentioned the axe of the forehead, yeah. and we're going to throw this bitch across the room. I mean, that's totally yeah. fucking badass. That's probably that's in one of my top five Friday kills right there. I mean, yeah. you you see, I love how you see the shadow of Jason behind her. She opens up the door, and it's like, "Yep, bitch, you know what's up." And then just, I mean, bam. And then it's yeah. on from there. And then, of course, the uh, the whole, I guess, ending scenes, if you want to call it that in the house. I mean, Kane, Kane took a fucking beating. And oh, yeah. 
yeah, I mean, and there was a lot of stunt work there, and I guarantee he woke up sore after that. And, of course, the long fire scene and everything there. And mm-hmm. when Jason's mask comes off, I mean, zombie Jason looks fucking brutal. I mean, especially oh, yeah. in the end on the dock when he's standing there and he really has that red glow. And then, of course, in the basement, I mean, he mm-hmm. looks like a total fucking badass. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just they really did a good job with the unmasking makeup as far as that goes. And uh, not that I didn't like the look in six, but the uh, the one thing that I would have thought that they would have paid a little bit more attention to, even though I know these I know Friday films aren't the, any good with the continuity for the most part. Right. But being that we did see what Jason looked like chained to the bottom and then we're going to uh, direct sequel to that, I would have thought that they would have got a little bit more on the continuity with the mask. I mean, maybe the belt might have still been there. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, just just a couple little things, but people always talk about the mask, and it's like, how can you you steer that far off from what we've seen in 6 to what we see in 7? I mean, come on. You know, that's that's my one big gripe as far as that goes. I mean, it was real simple. Uh, We've seen him chained to the bottom. We see him chained to the bottom to pick back up in 7. There should be a little bit more continuity there. I mean, fucking come on. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, everyone, every time somebody new comes in to to do a film and they want to put, you know, their stamp on the franchise, they have their ideas of what things should be. But I think there are certain things that should be off limits. I mean, that's something where the studio should have stepped in. And I mean, throughout the the entire franchise, but in this film as well, as you say, that's something that we need continuity with. We need that to be linear. At the very least, that needs to be something that's consistent. Um I mean, we have saw a look at another franchise like Halloween, the different looks of the Michael Myers mask. And I know there's always legalities that are involved in these things, but that's why it's kind of a breath of fresh air that, you know, not only is, you know, John Carpenter going to be involved in a new one, but they're going back to that original mask. And, you know, say after all these years, I mean, that's what we're talking about. And I think for this, it's the same deal. just like you said, with the mask and you I mean little alterations with the outfit, but we've seen the outfit change quite a bit over the years too. You know, it's, it's one of those things is, you know, I wouldn't, say that you know jason Voorhees is the kind of person that has you know a wardrobe kind of situation right i mean he should be wearing what he wears all the time but um so i agree with you on that but i think like you talked about a little bit before with with cj i think it uh i mean his portrayal that robotic kind of militaristic soldierly way of going about things was fantastic and he was perfect casting for that and i think with kane what we see there is like we said amped up but almost like this rock and roll version which is kind of weird to say because jason lives with alice cooper you know that's rock and roll but i just think that you know kane we've heard it over the years how excited he was to play the part he'd always been a fan and i think he just he saw it as an opportunity and he just went with it and i think where it's more you know cj kind of had his idea and went with the direction and then kane had his own idea you know like you said you know beekler was like you know we're, we're good with that and i think they both work and i think that uh but i think the kane's army like we've touched on so many times i just think the energy that Kane brings to the table, however you feel about, you know, the labored breathing and stuff, you know, you and I don't always see eye to eye on that. A lot of people like it. Some people don't, but I just think it was, it's just the energy. I mean, you can just feel that coming off the screen that he is just savoring every second that he is, that he's on, you know, that he's in the film. And it's not to say that other people didn't, but I mean, with him, I think more than any other person who's portrayed the part, you can just see, you can almost feel the smile behind the mask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And that's one way to look at it is the enthusiasm is is being shown, even though you can't see his face. I totally agree with that. And like I said, just from six being so dear to me and how much I love six 
just to go from that and then seeing Kane's portrayal. And it's like, wow, these are now granted Jason was resurrected again. So who's to say that his mannerisms or his characteristics couldn't be different. So, I mean, there's a million ways to look at that. I just, like I said, I, from what I see in six to what you see in seven is obviously two different portrayals. So, uh, I mean, it is what it is. It doesn't ruin it for me. Um, I just look at it as traditional uh, zombie, like we've talked about before. How do you see, what do you see with, with zombies? You just, there's certain things you just don't see them doing. But then again, if it's a supernatural type of situation, then who's to say that, uh, that that's not correct. So once again, just a matter of opinion, as far as all that goes, and there's really no right or wrong answer. It doesn't ruin it for me by any means. And I do like some of the energy that you see in there. And, uh, of course, that does carry over into the rest of Kane's portrayal. So he definitely kept it consistent. Um, and like you said, as far as the wardrobe goes, I mean, through three, four, and then, of course, six, I mean, there's the addition of the belt and a few changes or whatever there. But with seven, the big thing is, obviously, he's if he's been under the fucking lake for that long, yeah, he's going to be filthy and the clothes are going to be all fucked up. I get that. But I, I'm going to agree with most other fans there and say that they could have done a better job with the continuity on the mask. I guess that would be my biggest um my biggest disappointment as far as that goes with the costume itself. Yeah. And I agree with that completely. Like I said, I mean, I, I I think that's, that's one thing about this franchise, other horror franchises as well. And I think you and I both know the fans know there were so many different people who had a hand in the franchise over the years. And every time somebody new comes in to play Jason Voorhees, you get a new director or whatever the case may be. Everybody, like I said, wants to put their personal stamp on it. And that's all well and good. And I think you should do that in story. I think you should do that in presentation. I don't necessarily think you should do it in terms of, well, I think this outfit would be really cool. Maybe it is. But how how do you get to that point? But on the other hand, you look at it as like everything about the franchise, this continued story and the fact that, you know, Jason, you know, never dies. And you talk about zombie Jason or not. I mean, the whole premise behind it is absurd. So if you you, you look at it too closely, but I don't think that's necessarily what that is. I mean, that's the one thing that should stay consistent, the costume, the mask. And uh, for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. I mean, on the other hand, you look at it as, uh, you know, the different types of portrayals that we've had from people, you know, putting their own spin on things. We've benefited from that. I mean, there've been so many different approaches. When you look at, uh, you know, from uh, Richard Brooker, you know, and then you've got Ted White, Kane Hodder, CJ Graham. And we, even when you look at it later on with Derek Mears, I mean, it's been, it's been good to have that that different spin, but yeah, the uh, the mask. I, I I couldn't agree with you more on that. That's really not something that should have been played with as much as it was, and certainly in this film, like you said, the difference between Jason Lives to a new beginning. I mean, it's it's night and day, and that not not necessarily something that should have happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of criticism for this movie, like on on some other films, of course. But this one, I think the only thing that could have really made it better would have been, and not that the the eighties styles by any means take away from it, but with with how they were uh, with this film, I I would have liked to have seen it maybe a year or two earlier, if that makes any sense. I think it it would have uh, it would have maybe. I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, I think I would have, I think the styles would have been more fitting if it would have been a year or two prior, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, like you touched on a little earlier, there was the, that element from a style standpoint, from, you know, wardrobe, hairstyle, whatever the case may be. It was kind of over the top. I mean, even for the eighties, which is kind of funny to say, but I mean, Jason lives was just two years earlier. 
and you look at it, there there was that '80s style to that, no no question about it. But it was it was kind of toned down. That wasn't the focus necessarily. But yeah. it, it was it jumped off the screen in this one, so it was it was hard to to kind of ignore. And then also, but you know, you look at it like the party setting. I mean, I mean, I'm sure it was an intentional thing, but it was just something that was just so obvious, so in your face. It would have been nice if it was just toned down a little bit and we focused a little bit more on what's going on. But I think I mean, we certainly got that a lot in the the first half of the film. I think the second half, I mean, they did do a good job of kind of transitioning a little bit where the focus was, okay, this is what's going on. This is Tina, this is Jason, and then we're just going to enjoy this ride. So, um, but I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you look at it and you just, you have to chuckle sometimes. You're like, man, what, what is going on here? What, what, what are they wearing? What are they doing? What are they saying? I mean, all of it was just ridiculous, but I mean, that's also part of the charm of the eighties. This is just how over the top things really were. That's true. That's true. And it was at that transitional time in the styles where the, especially like in Manhattan, that one could have been, uh, that, that one's understood because of the setting and everything that goes along with that, that I get. I just think this one, if it would have been toned down, it would have been a lot better just with, uh, with the setting of them being in the woods like that and everything. I just think it worked, would have worked a little bit better if it was toned down. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned when we first kicked off, that's the first thing. It is so exaggerated. And I don't even know if exaggerated is the right word because uh, I guess that's once again a matter of opinion. But it's just so um, obvious when, like I said, as soon as you see Sue Blue's hair and and the, then it goes from there. And uh, of course, like Maddie's outfit, I mean, I'll use that one. Uh, is That's a, that's a typical... Uh, of that 80 that late 80s style i mean it was all it was a little bit over the top but like i said um other than that i mean you can't really criticize something that's really going on at the time so it was right. just that when this film was made that's just basically what was what was going on it kind of is what it is i just would have liked to have seen this particular film backed up a couple years so that's just me though no, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And I mean, I never really thought of it that way, but I mean, I, I do think it, it would have benefited from that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it may sound petty, but just you're so used to, to seeing, like I said, if you look at, uh, you look at four five, six, I mean, six is kind of pushing. When I look at six, I kind of, I start thinking about, and maybe this will make sense to you, but part six and then part seven, uh, it, it's kind of like that IROC Camaro era. You know, you see the yeah. like court court, for example, you picture court would be a guy driving an 86 IROC Z and yeah. with the torn jeans and and uh, listening to Alice Cooper and all that. And then yeah. we come into seven and it's like such a drastic difference in the styles. You're just kind of like, yeah. what in the hell just happened over yeah. uh, a couple of years span here? It's like, what the fuck? So, yeah. but I mean, the styles do change like that, but certainly uh, just something to think about when you're just talking about something in general like this. And of course, the highlight over 30 years later, that, that being mm -hmm. in a transitional time, I mean, you're going to have those kinds of things to discuss. But overall, I mean, I like seven uh, great things in seven. Some of the most awesome kills in there uh, as far as. Uh, criticisms. I mean, really, I just wanted to see the director's cut. I wanted to see all the gore and see everything that they originally did. And that would have made a big difference. Um, not that, I mean, I, I'm not saying I would have liked it more, which I, I mean, granted, we all probably would with, with, from what I understand and talking to John Carl and some other people that they just chopped the shit out of that film. And it's unfortunate mm -hmm. that we can't get a director's cut of that, especially on Blu-ray now with the technology that we have. But mm -hmm. other, other than that, I mean, uh, we've talked about some of the highlights, uh, some of the awesome kills. We've got a good cast. Um, the writing was there. 
I don't really have a whole lot as far as the criticism goes other than just to kind of be nitpicky. But other than that, I like seven and I like how you describe that as basically a, a Friday night. Uh, it's, it's, it's late, it's dark out. Let's throw some popcorn on turn the lights off and watch a Friday movie. And you can't go wrong with that. Oh no, 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 not at all. And I don't really have any criticisms either. I mean, it's, we've talked about this before with, with Kane. I mean, if there's anything that I take away from this, you, you kind of wish they would have just continued on in this direction that looking at it as an approach as they did with this film. Now, like I said, every movie after that is different. You got different people involved, but you look at how great an idea Jason takes Manhattan was how great an idea Jason goes to hell was, you know, if they had kind of just stayed on that and not try to get too convoluted and involved and trying to get fancy with things and just kind of stuck to that basic approach, how much more fun those films could have been because I mean, you and I both agree. I mean, Kane he might be the most popular Jason of all time, but, you know, the films that he was in weren't always, with the exception of Part 7, all that great. That was not his fault. But, I mean, that's the thing I look at is how good could they have been if they had just continued on in that kind of amped up rock and roll approach and not tried to get too too inventive, I guess. I don't even know what the word would be, but, you know, they, they just try to get a little too, too cute with things, I think. And yeah. They missed some opportunities that really on the, on their face that you sounded like great ideas and they kind of fell flat. And, you know, you, you wonder what could we have gotten if they just stuck to the approach they had with part seven, because like you said, part seven is really good. I mean, it's, it's, it's just an enjoyable film. Like we talked about popcorn. It's a popcorn horror movie and that's, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, for sure. And of course, I talk to a lot of Friday fans, whether that be at conventions or just in general. And I've heard a couple different people say, uh, numerous people say that uh, Friday stops for them at part four, that they feel like once part four was over, that that was pretty much it. They didn't like they don't like the zombie Jason. They don't care for part five. That's a different monster. Uh, But once Jason lives comes on they're they're pretty much done with it and like i said i'm fine with anybody's opinion i have mine you have yours we all have ours and it is what it is and i've heard heard people also say that um usually and i don't know why i mean i do i can see both sides of the fence but i've also heard a, a number of people say that friday for them stops with part seven because obviously getting into part eight and of course uh we get what we see in the rest of the films that we're all very well aware of I can understand that too. So, mm-hmm. but they're like, there's things that they, that they don't like about, uh, they don't like the the crazy heavy 80s stuff, but they love everything outside of that. So I can see both ways on that, but it, uh, I, I do agree with you that there's that what if factor in there as far as those missed opportunities and what we could have seen if, uh, if they wouldn't have gotten like you, like you said, I think you called it too cute or whatever, but yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can see from the perspective of other people on that as well. I mean, to a certain extent, you can look at it that way after a new beginning, things took a dip. I mean, even people who like those movies, uh, I think would have to agree. I'm not necessarily, Jason Takes Manhattan is by far and away my least favorite. Uh, but there, there are elements of things that I look at and think that there's value there and I enjoy. Um, same thing with Jason Goes to Hell. Jason X it was actually with this podcast that I was like, I hadn't seen it except for when it had first come out and I remember being horribly disappointed. And I'm like, all right, I have to watch this because we're going to be doing a show about it. And I came to realize I just kind of sat back and said, you know what? I'm just going to watch it for what it is. And uh, at that point I enjoyed it. I mean, I was doing B movie for HBC and it was just kind of like getting used to 
watching these movies that, you know, you had to take, you had to find the value where it was and you had to find a way to enjoy it. And I think that helped me see through different eyes. And I, I, Jason X to me is something I actually enjoy it now. Cause I mean, it's just, it's just so crazy. So over the top, so absurd. I mean, you just sit back and you have to laugh at, at the things that you're seeing. Um, and so, I mean, I can see why some people would be like, yeah, no, I just can't do it. But I try to take some value from everything. And, uh, I mean, like I said before, I'll say again, uh, A New Beginning is is good. It's certainly the best of the films that Kane Hodder was a part of. Um, but like you said, to each their own. I mean, you can't sit there to sit there and tell somebody that they're wrong. I, I have a hard time doing that. I mean, that's anything in life is that way. It's about opinion. This isn't a, this isn't black and white. This isn't fact or fiction. This isn't, you know, something that's happening in the world as far as news you know, something either happened or it didn't. It happened this way or it didn't happen this way. It's a movie, you know, so right. there are going to be people who love it. They're going to be people who don't And to sit there. That's one thing that I have to say. That's always funny to me is there are people that will sit there and argue as though they are like related to some of these people. If somebody says, oh, this is really or I, I don't know why Kane Hodder is so popular. And there are people that, you know, they're ready to go to blows over this stuff. And it's like it's good to be passionate about things. But I think sometimes you just have to pump the brakes a little bit. It's like it's right. fine. There, there's nothing to get upset about. So I, I, I can see it from both sides as well. And I agree with you completely. If you love it, great. And if you don't, that's okay too. Absolutely. And like I said, to me, 30 years later, like I said, being that it is an anniversary date and just thinking about everything over the years. And of course, when people get older and after you've seen something so many times, you know, 30, 40, 50, however many fucking times you've seen it, your opinions start to change. Like I said, especially as you get older. So you, what you thought when you were younger, I mean, maybe 10 years later, maybe you've changed your opinion. But uh, so, of course, you got to factor that in there, too. But as far as 30 years later, I think the movie's held up great. Like I said, outside of the over the top 80 late 80s styling. Uh, which just really stands out like we've we've said a hundred times now. But other than that, the film to me holds up great. But I think pretty much all the Friday, all the Friday films hold up great. I mean, when you're basically getting one a year, almost over a decade, of course, you're going to see how things change over the course of a decade. But all the films to me, they hold up over time and seven is, is nonetheless. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I wouldn't argue against that at all. And I always, kind of tilt to other franchises and whatnot. You look at some of the, the entries for uh, a nightmare on Elm street, for instance. I mean, it was just, com some of it was just complete cheese, you know, and it got to that point where it was like, Freddie was a caricature of himself, but that was intentional. I understand that it was supposed to be for humor and whatnot, but sometimes you can go too far with that. I don't know if Friday ever really did. I think, you know, like this film, for instance, some of the later ones, I mean, I think they missed the mark, but they, yeah, they all, you can still watch them individually and, and think that they're very good. I think, I mean, you just touched on the idea of some people 30, 40, 50 times they've watched some of these films. I mean, ourselves included, but if there's one that you haven't seen for a while and you go back and watch it, I mean, almost every time I've found myself and I'm sure I'm not alone, you come away and be like, God damn, that was really good. You know, it's even better than you remember, you know? So I think that uh, you hit it. You hit it perfectly right there that the Friday films, for as old as they are, hold up really well. Because you can look at some other movies like from the early or mid 80s and look at them now and you're like, oh, my God, that's that's just cheap. Like I love Commando, for instance. All right. And I loved it when I was a kid. I love it now. But at the same time, if you watch it as an adult now, you'd be like, what in the hell am I watching? So 
not all not all of them hold up you know well not all movies i should say but the friday films do yeah and i think they always will and as far as uh just like mentioning some other films now to me when i watch some of the some of the later nightmare on elm street films of course yeah you're just like what the fuck but then I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a teenager when the Friday films were coming out. I wasn't the teenager going to see them in the theaters and everything. But like, for example, when I watch some of the Scream films, I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck? But that was my jam. <laughs> so that was my generation is when, yeah. uh, you know, I was the teenager um, for some of this. Well, of course, the latter ones, I was older. But when the first Scream came out, obviously, I'm a teenager. And mm-hmm. so that was the Scream. The first couple of Scream movies will always be will be dear to me but when i watch him and of course when i watch freddy versus jason i was a very young adult when that came out and now i watch it and it's like what the fuck i mean it's it seems <laughs> so generation specific that it's sickening mm-hmm. to me but when i watch the 80s films i don't feel like that but of course i'm sure if one of our parents watches that movie they're going to think the same thing that we do about freddy versus jason and of course with scream does that make mm-hmm. sense no it makes perfect sense it really does i mean because when you make a movie you're making it for that audience you're not thinking about 10 years down the road, 15, 20. I mean, you hope it has that type of life, but you're not looking at it that way. I mean, when they remade Nightmare, you know, with uh, Jackie Earl Haley, I mean, I interviewed Heather Langenkamp and she had said that. She said, I'm, I haven't seen the remake. I'm not going to. I don't think I want to. I'm not interested in that. She said, because the movie we made worked for the world we lived in in 1984. It's like, and it's hard to replicate that. I mean, it's almost impossible. And so, you know, I, I do think that, you know, you talk about that audience specific, you know, the, the, the time and space when they make it. And that's very true about Freddy versus Jason that, you know, that they made it for the people who are going to see it at the theater in that moment. And so, you know, you're looking back at it now, you know, it's hit and miss. I mean, like I said, some people love it. Some people don't. You either do or you don't. There's not a lot of in between with Freddy versus Jason. There aren't a lot of people that are like, yeah, it's OK. I don't know. You know, they, they either like, oh, yeah, man, this shit rocks or they're like, that was stupid. There's not a lot in between. So I think you're definitely right on that. Yeah. And I mean, it's just something to think about as far as when you talk about things that stand the test of time or they're timeless or whatever. And to me, Friday is always going to be holding up to the test of time, whether that's 40, 50, 60 years later. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is what it is with the 80s genre and the slasher films in general, because it's not just with Friday. But when you watch some of the other films, you're seeing some of the same things. So I think they're all going to essentially stand the test of time. And I think Heather Langenkamp was correct. And I'll agree with her is saying that you can't replicate something from 30 years ago with today's technology. It's just, it's impossible to do even watching stranger things and them replicating the eighties. There's a lot of good vibes there and I see mm-hmm. cool shit, but it doesn't feel like it's in the eighties. It feels like they're right. putting there. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what I mean by that? No, yeah, like, I do. Yeah. It's retro, it's throwback, but it doesn't feel like it's in the eighties and the same thing's going to happen if they tried to reboot Friday and put it back in the eighties. Yeah, it's going to look like 80s shit, but you're not going to feel nostalgic with it, I don't think. Um, and, and like I said, that's just a matter of opinion. Like I said, with Stranger Things, I watch it and it's like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's a good nod, uh, good 80s throwback tribute, but I don't really feel like they really uh, – that I'm that I'm in the 80s again. But whatever, right. that's just me. So – but yeah, I mean, it is what it is with all that. Like I said, we could talk about that all day, but I think we've uh, did a pretty good job just kind of giving part seven some love and celebrating its 30 year anniversary today. And uh, I'd like to also give a, a shout out to gutter garbs, guttergarbs.com, I believe, and go ahead and check them out if you haven't. 
they did a Friday part seven uh, anniversary, uh, a couple different shirts. And they also did a poster that is very close to the original new blood movie poster and uh, very, very similar. Uh, pick one of those up. If you're a part seven fan or grab a t-shirt, there's a, a t-shirt that is the same design as the poster that I mentioned. That's very close to the original um, the original theatrical poster release. And then they also did a, uh, I, I don't know the artist's name, so forgive me for that, but they did a, there's a, uh, <clears throat> a Jason on the front. And then of course it says Friday 13th part seven, but it's Jason standing there uh, in the full part seven. Uh, it's a good shot of him in full costume there. So two great shirts to celebrate that anniversary from gutter garbs, seeing a couple other things out there. Um, of course, there's a lot on social media today being that we had the 30th anniversary for this film, not to mention that it is, uh, the 13th, it is mother's day. Uh, Jason's a mama's boy. So it's kind of, uh, kind of a big day in there for all of that. If you take it into consideration, as far as the big picture goes, it's a big day for Friday fans, I suppose. Oh Yeah. Definitely, it's big, and you know, they're few and far between. I mean, there's definitely. I mean, over the course of a year, there there are a lot of dates that we hit on for birthdays and anniversaries and whatnot. But when something like this is kind of like the perfect storm, you know, it's the 13th, it's Mother's Day, it's the anniversary for a new beginning. I mean, it's just a lot of things to get excited about. Or your Friday the 13th fan, and uh, you know, it's just when these days come along, you just can't help but you know, smile. And like you talked about with social media, you just kind of sit back and and watch everyone get all excited about it and geek out over it and send out all their, you know, their tweets and posts on Facebook and people are, you know, posting gifts and pictures and everything. It's just, it's just when you love something so much and, you know, you're always going to see it here and there throughout the year. But when you land on days like this and you see it everywhere, it's just good to see that there's so many people who still enjoy it so much. I mean, that's, it just makes me smile. That's all I can say. Absolutely. It's days like today that are just remind you how good it is to be a Friday fan and that Friday fans are the best. And another shout out also to Lar Park Lincoln, who just recently had a birthday uh, this week also. Uh, just yesterday, I believe. Yesterday, the day before. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Yep, right? The 12th. Yep. 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 Also. And uh, so a, a big happy birthday to her since we're on the part seven subject. Also, um, uh, Tiffany Brooke Meyer from uh, Friday Five. Her birthday was yesterday, too. She was Violet in Friday Five. So a big shout out to her also uh, for happy birthday. But like I said, uh, having Lar, Lar's birthday just a day before, that's just more icing on the cake for the Friday fans. So big happy mm-hmm. birthday to her as well. And but, uh, while we're still talking about birthdays, uh, Aaron Yu, who played Chewy in the 09 film his birthday was yesterday as well because whenever that comes up i i take every opportunity i can to talk about shooting the boot and celebrating his birthday so oh yes throw right. that out there too yep 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 absolutely i forgot about that one too but yeah just a big couple days for friday fans yesterday and today with the birthdays and of course the anniversary so like i said mm-hmm. definitely check out gutter garbs if you haven't order some shirts uh they had a sale on them um recently but i believe that's over with so they're just back standard pricing but i think that's going to be a limited run so if there's any anything on there that you like make sure you make a purchase as quick as possible or you might miss out so that wraps up another episode of return to camp blood so please rate and review wherever you listen to the show at also check us out on facebook at camp blood podcast to check out our back episodes you can find those on our website campbloodpodcast.com and if you have any suggestions or comments feel free to drop us a line until next time